when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 37th, no, not 37th, that's way too many episodes, the 27th episode of Biscuits, a hockey podcast. Uh, I'm Dave, Dave Lozo of Vice Sports and many other reputable websites on the old internet, and I'm here in Brooklyn, New York, and you know who's in Canada, you know who's in Ottawa. This is Sean, I'm coming to you from Ottawa, the home of the Atlantic Division champion, Ottawa Senators. Wow. What's that town like today or the past couple of days? Crazy. Is it really? It's, it's, it's what? No. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm out here in like the suburbs. I did like the, the two blocks of Ottawa that constitutes downtown might be a little bit, a little bit crazier, but no, I've, I've started to like, I seen like five cars with Senator car flags, uh. which is five more than I saw in the first two rounds. So uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild up here. Has anybody jumped in the canal or anything yet? Is is that happening? I don't think so. Mm. Maybe maybe this round. Yeah, it's only two rounds. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. But um, this is a very special edition of Biscuits because as we record this, the second round's over. And as you listen to this, most likely, the third round hasn't started yet. So we don't have to qualify anything. We don't have to guess about what's going to happen tonight as we record this. It's just going to be a good old-fashioned, regular podcast. I'm very excited about just talking about things in the pre- uh, the past tense and the future tense for once. You realize it by saying that you just guarantee that something is going to happen nah. Thursday night, like some some team's going to, someone's going to get fired or there's going to be a trade or something and it's going to just render everything obsolete. The Caps can't trade Alex Ovechkin yet, right? Like that's... There's not that window yet, so we're fine. No, that seems that's that's more of a Friday afternoon thing. <laughs> Alex Ovechkin straight up for Matthew Shane. Let's do it. Done. Let's let's start there, I guess, because that's. Yeah, I mean, we got we got so much to cover, but yeah, let's do the funeral first. The Washington. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it feels like. I sat down to watch that game last night, and I was kind of like, as as a neutral fan, this will be fun no matter what, because you're either going to see. The Capitals finally break break through and have the big win on home ice, and that'll be fun. Or they won't, and they'll lose. And you know, in a weird way, that's that's it. Like it wasn't fun at all. That, I felt like I was watching someone else's funeral, and it just it was uh, you know, especially when it got to two nothing there in the third period. Yeah. The arena was dead quiet, and just uh, that 
I didn't enjoy that. You know what it was? It was that fight scene in Saving Private Ryan where um, Eddie, the crazy roommate from Friends, is fighting the German guy they let go earlier in the movie, and he's slowly overpowering him to the point where he's got the knife over his heart, and he just slowly puts it in. That's what it was like. It was like watching the Caps. For it was. First 10 minutes, it was like, boy, Caps are moving the puck. Caps are dominating. They're just rolling their lines. And then the second the Penguins scored, it was like, uh... Oh well. I admire your ability to combine <laughs> hockey, a movie, and friends into one 10 second. Yeah, I That's my brand. So what what the hell do the Capitals do now? Oh, it's over. What do you They're done. They can't do they, they, after the season they were going to blow it up. Not blow it up, but they were going to totally revamp their roster anyway, and now it's just they can just take it to the extreme. I think they can just just anybody. Let all the UFAs go. Let, let Carl Alsner go. Let TJ Oshie go. You know, see what you can get for Ovechkin. See what you can get for Backstrom. Just start over because at this point, like it, it sucks for Braden Holpe, even though Braden Holpe is continuously lackluster in the second round of the playoffs. But the team they have, it's it's too late. They've proven time and time again that no matter how good the roster is, they're just going to find a way to seize up in the second round. So. I, I do believe it's like a cultural systemic thing where the only way to, to, to get it is to just, just just get rid of everything. Just get rid of everything you can, start over, because just to limp along here for the next two or three years before Ovechkin's done and Backstrom's in his mid-30s, like, I don't know who that serves. It's a total reset. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I wrote a thing for Sportsnet where I, I did something that I I do a lot of times with when I'm writing is, is I'll... I'll list a bunch of ideas and then i'll kind of say all right here's here's why it could work here's why maybe it wouldn't and then by the end i've figured out what the right idea is or the right approach or whatever it is and and i did that for the capitals and i came up with eight different things that they could do and every single one of them the argument against doing it was much more convincing than the argument to do it and that included doing nothing that included doubling down. That included blowing the whole thing up. Like I don't see anything here that looks like a good path. I'm I'm completely stumped. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, could you start all over? Sure. I I don't. I mean, trading Alexander Ovechkin, which would be. I mean that that's the ultimate sign that you're you're done. I mean that's the end of the era right there. You can't. Uh, there there's no clear way to send a message that. Uh, uh, that that you've moved on than than making that trade. How do you do it? I mean, who's who's going to trade for Alexander Ovechkin? Who is going to give you anything approaching fair value? How do you make it work in a salary cap world? You know, I don't know. I, what do you think is the harder sell to to Caps fans? Never mind, like the, all the cap implications. Is is it harder to sell rebuilding? Is it harder to sell just standing pat and just moving forward, or is it harder to be like, well, we're just going to tinker a little bit, bring in some new UFAs, and make a run for it again? Like, what's like what's harder to sell? I don't know. I don't know. See, right now, right now, anything that doesn't involve big changes is the hardest sell. I, I mean, I don't. I'm not going to claim to have my finger on the pulse of Capitals fan base, but it's every sense I get is that there is a real appetite for change. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of disgust. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, why do I do this every year when I know <laughs> it's going to end this way? Why, 
you know, why am I going to be sitting there in October watching this team again, knowing that, that this is the path that might go down. So, you know, I feel like right now, anything that involves just, you know, tinkering here or there or go, geez, you know, we moved a few, you know, we let a few UFAs go and one of the assistant coaches is gone. And here's essentially the same team. I feel like that's the hardest sell of all, even though it like it might be the right move. I, there is a case to be made that this is just a flat out good team that keeps get having bad luck in the playoffs. I like, mean, that to me makes uh, that explanation makes as much uh, sense as anything else. I, uh, I, I don't know, man. Like how many? How many? Like once is bad luck, twice is bad luck, maybe three times now where. It just seems like it just it seemed once I got to one nothing. Did, did any part of you feel like the Caps were ever going to tie that game? And once I got to two nothing, didn't it just feel like they just shut down? I mean, yeah. it, there's just I, you know it, it seems weird today. Like I feel like people never ever want to say somebody choked. It's always like oh you know it's just they were due for a bad this or they ran into a hot that and that happens for sure. You run into a hot goalie like the Hawk stuff is just. Yeah, a lot of those shots are from the outside, but Halak was pretty good. In this series, I mean, the Penguins got run over for seven games, and Marc-Andre Fleury basically stole every win. But if you can't beat the Penguins without Chris Letang, without Matt Murray, without Sidney Crosby for a game, you lose the game Sidney Crosby doesn't play, and Connor Sheary, I just I, I stop thinking it's luck. I start thinking that in their heads, once it starts to go bad, once the pressure's on... Like TJ Oshie, you know, as a bouncing puck, it was a hard play. TJ Oshie, he's new to it, I guess, relatively, but he doesn't find a way to put it in. Um, Nick Backstrom had a weird play there where, you know, he had Flurry down and he just took, dragged the puck behind the goal line and he had nowhere to shoot. And I mean, Ovechkin, everyone's killing Ovechkin. A, a save with the, if you've ever played goalie, if you make a save with the shaft of your stick above your blocker, that's an accident. You're not trying to do yeah. that. You That just happened there. But, Overall, I just don't know how you can consider the Caps anything more than this point than just a, a bunch of guys who just th- th- they get it in their head that when things go bad, woe is us, and they 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 seize up, they tighten up, they they get down, and I don't know. I just I just don't know how you can trust the the core of this team anymore, especially now that they're also getting a little bit older too. At this point, I don't see any other reason or see a reason to not move on from at least one of them. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and and that you know what I. Like, I don't put as much stock as a lot of people into knowing how to win. I don't put as much stock into clutch. I don't put as much stock into a lot of this narrative stuff that we kind of slap on after the fact where, you know, we we come up with these explanations, character flaws, and, and all of this other stuff. But at the same time, I got to acknowledge that that stuff is out there and at some point, you might be right, whether it's true or not, and whether it's fair or not, it might seep in to a team's identity. And it it sort of becomes a self fulfilling thing, where the Capitals have have heard so many times that they can't come through when it matters that when they hit a little bit of adversity, they end up feeling that way. And they end up not playing as well as they could, because they're thinking, Oh, man, here it goes again. And I mean, you talk about how you sell it to the fan base. I mean, how do you sell it to the dressing room if you bring back basically the same group? There's got to be at least a few guys in that room right now that are like, "This isn't going to happen. We we gotta we gotta do something. We gotta move on from from this guy, or we gotta reshuffle that." Like, I wonder if that's a bad message to 
to bring to the team if you're sitting there looking around the room in October and it's pretty much the same room you were looking around last night. So going back to your your thoughts on trading Ovechkin and how you're not going to get tr- you're not going to get fair value. His cap hit is nine point five essentially, and he's probably not worth that at this point. He's probably something close to that though. But you look at Shea Weber, Shea Weber. They found a way to trade him for PK Subban. You know Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel probably wasn't fair value. Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. That worked out for Edmonton, even though they got the short end of that deal. So sometimes just making a trade for trade's sake. You know, you don't I, there's always those guys in your fantasy league that do that stuff where it's like the second week of the football season you're like I want to trade all my guys. I'm like no, it's week 2. I don't want to do that. But in this case, you know, we're talking about a decade here where you couldn't you can't get out of the second round with this group. So maybe a fresh start is just what you need more than just equal value for Alex Ovechkin. And that's it. I mean, that's that's kind of the range that you're looking at when you trade a star like this. You've got, at one end, you've got the Phil Kessel trade where you really didn't get better and you really didn't get anywhere close to value, but maybe maybe it's ultimately worth it to take a step back so that down the road you can take, take a step forward. And, you know, I, I think that trade worked out for the Leafs in in a sense, but it it certainly wasn't a case where they got anywhere near fair value. Then you look at Shea Weber, where the Predators, you know, a, a lot of things we just said about Ovechkin in terms of how do you trade this guy, his age, his contract, you could have said about Shea Weber, and right. the Predators not only found a way to do it, but they, they actually got a better player on a better contract, which is still amazing to me, and, <laughs> uh, even even today, but they they pulled it off so i you know who knows maybe there's maybe there's some team out there that is sitting there thinking we need to really drastically change our group and you know they they go out there and 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 they pull the trigger on you know maybe it's one another one of these big one for one trades or maybe it's you know, something something like that you never say never we learned that last summer but uh yeah i don't if you're a capitals fan thinking we're going to trade Alexander Ovechkin and and get better doing it. Good luck. There's just so much blame to go around too. Like 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 Mark Andre Fleury played really well, but his save percentage for the series was like nine twenty seven. Like he didn't like he stole all the games. I feel like the Penguins won, but in the games where right. he wasn't good, he wasn't good. And mm-hmm. you know like like. like you look at Chicago, Nashville, and Pekka Rene comes out of that series with like a 976. You're like, well, Pekka Rene stood on his head for four games. What are you going to do? In this series, it's not as though Marc-Andre Fleury was unbeatable. I mean, Braden Holpe, it was one nothing already, but and I know that goal goes through, I think it was Nate Schmidt's legs, but that Patrick Hornquist goal was not a good goal. Like, yeah, Ovechkin didn't get it out and all that, and Shattenkirk made a soft play up the boards, but I, 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 Braden Holpe... I don't even know what to compare him to because he's so good. But there's so many times where it seems like like he has this super duper like calm demeanor thing happening all the time. And I wonder if he's like too calm where he's just too casual and it's just it's almost like like Daryl Strawberry in the eighties where he'd be so smooth in the outfield and he'd he'd, he'd he'd like misplay a ball or something and now I look at like that Hornquist goal and yeah, the Caps probably weren't gonna score anyway because they're choking dogs that you know, as I said earlier, Eddie, Knife, Friend, Saving Private Ryan. But he seems to have this thing in the playoffs where he just he gets beat on these really not great goals or he doesn't come up with the big save on the tough the tough chance. And he's he's pretty lucky, I think, because whenever the Caps lose, it's always gonna be Alex Ovechkin this, Alex Ovechkin that. But 
I, I don't know. I, I, I just I feel like if, you, if, if you're a Vezina winning goalie and a Vezina finalist the following year, you can't be this consistently inconsistent for an entire playoff series. I think I think Holtby's problem or part of the problem might be he's just one of these guys like he's so much about positioning and he's just he's always in the right spot to just let the puck hit him. And, yeah. you know, he's one of these guys where he gives you like, here's two inches over each shoulder. If you can hit that, good for you. But other than that, I'm I'm going to I'm going to stop it. And every now and then somebody does hit that. And then you're looking at it like that, that, that backhand, the second goal, you're looking at it going, well, he didn't even move. Yeah, well, he didn't move because there was maybe enough room for one puck to, to get past him. And it just and it happened to do it. And in the regular season, you go, OK, you move on. And but in the playoffs, everything gets analyzed. I, I don't know. Like I I love Brayden Holpe as a goalie. There's a case to be made that if you were going to make a big move, moving him would be hmm. potentially a better one because A, you're you're gonna get more for him. And B, they've already got two great goalies ready to go in the system. I, I mean they, they wouldn't there's nobody who's gonna replace Alexander Ovechkin scoring forty or fifty goals. They've got guys on the way who can potentially step in as as starting goalies so i mean that that would be from a purely hockey point of view maybe that makes more sense but again i don't know how you sell that to the fans that hey we traded the goalie that you like and we kept some of the the, the other guys that, that maybe <laughs> yeah. <you're> tired of <laughs> we, we treated the guy who won the Vezina and then came in second in voting the, the, the year after that but don't worry trust right. us we know what we're doing that's a good point though i never really thought about that where yeah like if you want to save some cap room and get some value back and then go cheap on your goalies that's not the worst idea i've ever heard i don't think they do it i don't think there's no. any chance that they actually they actually do it but if uh yeah i don't know so we've hmm. got washington that can't win the big game they fall behind one nothing at home, and it all goes to hell. Everything goes dead quiet, and they kind of fall apart. Anaheim, who can't win Game 7s at home, fall behind one nothing at home. And I don't know about you, but I felt pretty much the same way as I did watching the Washington game. I was like, all right, here we go. We know how this is going to end. <laughs> this is funeral number two that I've been invited to attend tonight. And this time... The home team doesn't do it, and the, they don't stick to the script, and they come back, they score twice, uh, and they're moving on. Is does, does this feel like, is this bigger than just a Game 7 win for Anaheim? Like, is this, should should we hmm. be seriously thinking of these guys as, as real Stanley Cup contenders right now? I mean, I, they're in the Final Four, so of course they're Stanley Cup contenders, but is that like did we just see the moment where something changed for the ducks or is that it just a win and you're on to the next thing sean that's a great question i don't know if i have the answer to that because right now with the final four teams i would say ottawa is the weakest i would say pittsburgh or nashville is probably the strongest probably in case nashville is stronger than pittsburgh at this point but i at this point anyway would not be surprised if any of these four teams won but does that mean Anaheim has suddenly turned the corner? I don't know about that. I mean, maybe it's just because it's just a weird year where there's no real one dominant team anymore. And the one dominant team would be the Penguins if they were at full strength, but they're not. So they're a little bit vulnerable too. But yeah, but that's a good point, though. The difference between the Caps and the Penguins was the Caps came out strong, didn't get a goal, hit a post. Um, somebody hit a post on a Kevin Shattenkirk shot on the power play. I don't know how they missed the open net, but... 
I, I, seriously, if I was a Caps fan, I don't, I, there's no way Caps fans are listening to this, right? Like I, every Caps fan's in a cave, and they're going to be there until Monday. So sure. I don't even, we can say whatever we want about have, the Caps. No, every every <laughs> Cap fan's computer and phone has been thrown into a, a fish tank long ago. Yeah, they're they're just completely just they're they're, they're going on a four day bender. But the Ducks, the Ducks got down one nothing, and they were like, you know what, screw this, and they they outshot. Edmonton like 16 to 2 or something in the second period and then Talbot gives up kind of a soft goal in the third but part of me thinks yeah this could be the moment where they finally get over the mental hump and but I, I still think Nashville's better than them so that's going to be an issue I don't know if how if Anaheim can compete with Nashville but I, I don't I, this is going to be a year where a weird team wins the cup probably so I don't want to necessarily put too much stock into any like turning points or anything but yeah it is nice i guess if you're a ducks fan who's just had his or her stomach punched for the last you know five six years in game sevens it's you, you got every right to feel good because you could beat nashville and if you beat nashville you get a sub substandard penguins team or you get you know the, the world's most boring team in the world that Guy Boucher coaches all four of these teams can absolutely win anyone who is looking at the senators and saying oh you know whoa this this team can't this team can't win. This is, I mean, that's nonsense. There's, uh, I mean, you've probably got three teams that have about a 27% chance of winning the cup. And then Ottawa's got 20 or whatever's left over there that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wide open, but yeah, I, I was impressed by what Anaheim did. I was impressed to see them sort of come back and it was interesting to see the reaction from Edmonton because it was kind of the, the polar opposite to, to what we heard coming out of the Washington room where it, it I mean, it just, again, it, it's, it sounded like a morgue. Whereas in Edmonton, you know, apparently we're told that they weren't even all that disappointed and that there's this feeling like, yeah, this was, this was the first step and they're, you know, it's on to bigger and better things. And there, there's a part of me that gets a little nervous when I hear that because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. They're, they're, I mean, this sounds, you know, Tampa Bay a couple of years ago seemed like a, just a sure thing that they were going to win a cup within a few years. I mean, you couldn't, they, they were such a well-built team, young, they had everything and, you know, it, things can go south pretty quick. And I, you know, I don't know to me if, uh, I don't know, you, sh- you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be penciling anyone in as, as favorites going forward. But if you are, the Oilers are pretty close. Obviously we know that they're, they, they've still got a lot of, a lot of road ahead of them. So I don't know. It would have been fun to see the Oilers go up against the Predators. I think that that would have been the more entertaining series. But yes, uh, they had a good run, and yeah, Anaheim, Anaheim, Nashville. It'll it'll be good. Who do you, who do you have in that series? Uh, do you have picks ready to go? I'd say Nashville and six is what I'll say. Yeah, um, that's what I picked too. I think I'm going to pick Ottawa. I think for the hell of it, I'm just going to pick Ottawa in the other series. I'll say Ottawa. And, I'll say Ottawa and uh, no, they don't have home ice. I'll say Ottawa and six. I'll say they close it out in Ottawa. But the one thing about Edmonton, here's the thing about Edmonton. I get it. They haven't been to the playoffs in 11 years. They go two rounds. They go to a seventh game in the second round. Bright future. Connor McDavid. By the way, Leon Dreisaitl was really good in that game last night. He just didn't. He had that one shift where he was just dragging a guy on his back and he nearly backhanded the puck through Gibson. It was an unbelievable shift. But any other year, I would say, yeah, you know what, young young group, going to be back next year, probably going to get better in free agency, going to make another run on it next year, and they probably are, but it really feels like this is like a really big missed opportunity because, like we said, I mean, there's no real dominant team left. If they could have gotten through Anaheim, 
they're playing game one of the Western Conference Finals at home in the in the pee soaked barn that they play in now because everyone's peeing all over the place because there's <laughs> no there's no room anywhere. Like, yeah. it, 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 by the way, we should talk about that. The fact that the Oilers basically closed off women's rooms so they can get more men to pee because God forbid women pee at a sporting event. And then there was a story about like how the police are upset because all the people around the arena when they leave games are peeing everywhere. Like, what is going on in that town where people can't put their pee where they're supposed to? Like, that that, that seems like a serious issue. (laughs) They built this this beautiful new arena, and they forgot to put in enough enough bathrooms. And, uh, yeah, so now you just got to hold it in, and then you get outside, and you pee (laughs) on the arena the way God intended. Edmonton's looking for a champ pee in ship in the future. But, uh, sorry about that. But they they would have had home ice against Nashville. They could have had home ice against Edmonton. It's not as though like the Oilers were this like team that barely got in the playoffs and 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 fought and scrapped and weren't really that good and still found like they they could have should have maybe beat. I mean they they let the they let that game five get away in overtime really quickly. That was a winnable series. And once you beat the Ducks and you and you have home ice, I, I don't know. Like I I get it. You're an Oilers fan. You've been wandering. You've been like Tom Hanks on the island and Castaway. You've been. You, you drew a face on a puck and you call it Wilson. You've been doing that for a decade. I get it. You've been you've been you've been um, you know longing for that for the years of uh, who's the guy on the Oilers who had that chance to to win the game? Fernando Pisani. You've been you've been you've been thinking about Fernando Pisani yes. for a decade, and, and you're like, all right, this is great. We got a great future. But man, it really feels like the Oilers had a chance. And you, like you said, you, they, may, they, like maybe they're the Penguins. Maybe they get back there next year and win the Cup. Or right? Maybe they're Tampa. And you know. Pete Chiarelli wins the GM of the award in the offseason, and they miss the playoffs. Like it's just—it seems like a really, really, really yeah. missed opportunity. And it—and it is, you know, obviously, it's it. Next year is the last year of the entry level deal for Connor McDavid, so that that's when. Yeah. That that's kind of it's 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 not the window closing, but it's a window closing. It's the sort of the same thing that teams like the Maple Leafs are facing right now. Uh, how how hard do you go in that that early window where you've you've got all you've got these guys cheap. So yeah, no, it did. It, it. I, I guess I, I can see why they're not devastated. But you're right. This, this year, I don't know. This year is so wide open. But I don't know. Maybe I feel like that's kind of getting to be the new normal in the NHL. Maybe you just make yeah. make the playoffs, and then who knows? You know, like that used to be something that like stupid GMs would say. Oh, we're just we're going to get <laughs> in the playoffs as the eighth seed, and then who knows? But it's like it's starting to come true now. Like it's. I mean, you look at. You've got the the Central Division where the fourth place team made it through. You've got the Atlantic Division where it was the second place team, but a team that I think most of us thought was the worst of the four playoff teams in that group. They make it through. Uh, the best regular season team is out. And Anaheim's the only number one seed that's that's still alive. I mean, it's, it's yeah. pretty, you know, I like, and at this point, like, I don't even feel like anyone's really shocked by anything like i don't like nashville was an eight seed that beat the number one seed in four games and i feel like everyone was surprised for like a day and then we all just kind of went yeah predators are pretty good and we just moved on like ottawa ottawa was like the one team going into the playoffs that people were like that's the one team that has no shot they win two series they're in the final four and and people are like "Eh, sure like i don't know it 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 feels like we've gone to. I, I never want to see the NHL be the NBA, where it, it seems like you start the playoffs and we already know who what the finals are going to be, and we're just yeah. killing time to get there. But it, it, it. I wonder if we've swung too far the other way, where 
Like, I mean, if if you lose your ability to be shocked by any results, then I don't know. Does if if I'm watching this playoffs, I'm sitting there going, do I really need to watch all six months of the regular season next year, or does it become like you know the old joke about the NBA, where if you're not an NBA fan, you just tune in for the last two minutes. <laughs> Maybe the NHL is becoming a league where you just tune in for the last two weeks, watch the end of the playoff races, and then and then see how the playoffs shake it. I think it's always been that, but the thing about the way things might be changing, like the Blackhawks and, and Kings, I think kind of distorted our perception of the playoffs for so long because we pretty much knew going in it was probably going to be one of those two teams that won the cup. So, right, like, so if you're Edmonton, say Edmonton had this run in 2014, you'd be like, well, they were never going to get past the Blackhawks or Kings anyway, so it's no big deal. But I don't know. Parody, parody is good in a way, but it's also bad where. It's it's part parity. It's part the playoff setup where you know the Caps and Penguins have to play in the second round, and the crappy Rangers. I mean, the Rangers are cra- they had a hundred points, but they're crappy. They play the crappy Senators, and now one of those crappy teams gets to go to the conference finals. So you get this feeling of like, well, man, we just get in, and you know we can make a run to the conference finals. But it's like, yeah, everything has to set up perfectly for you, though. You need to be in the crappy division. You need to avoid all the good teams in the other division. You need to have this transitional year where the Blackhawks and Kings are now nowhere near as good as they were. You need to have the Penguins without their best defensemen. So uh, I don't know. I I feel like in a couple of years, like we're gonna look at like Toronto the way we look at Pittsburgh and they're going to have Matthews and all those guys and they're going to be the dominant team in the East and now the Capitals are on the downside so like this is like a really good transition year this is a really good year I think to be that mediocre team but I don't know if that's going to be a thing you can count on all the time though. but you know what full full credit then to the teams that that recognize it I, I remember yeah right at the trade deadline when the Senators went out and made that that deal for for Alexander Burroughs which which people hate it because they gave up a really good prospect for a guy who wasn't all that good and and by the way hasn't been all that good in the playoffs it's it's not like that the the deal itself has really paid off but i remember saying at the time if you're going to if you're going to go for it this is the year because you got toronto and buffalo are building something you got tampa bay nobody knows what happened with them but they they've had their their off year florida too montreal still has carry Price. like this is the year to take a swing at it. You could see, especially in that Atlantic division, you could see it shaping up to be this kind of year where a team like the Senators could come out of it. And the Senators went and, you know, they made, they made some trades people didn't like, but they brought in skill. That, that's that been the key to what the Senators have done. They brought in some skill, even if it was on the third and fourth line, bumped some guys without skill out. And, you know, meanwhile, you look at a team like, and I, I feel like we beat them up all the time, but you look at a team like the Canadians, who didn't swing hard, didn't go and make a big deal, didn't bring in that, you know, Matt Duchesne or whoever may have been out there. Instead, they bring in a lot of the, the big, tough sandpaper guys. Uh, but basically, they, they they play at status quo. No, we're not trading this prospect or that guy. These guys are untouchable. We're just going to make very small deals on the cheap. I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, but this isn't hindsight because I was saying it at the time. Like, this was the year for those Atlantic teams to take a swing at it. And Ottawa did. Other teams didn't. And, you know, this this is where playing conservative gets you. I mean, at, the, at some point, you can only kick the can down the road so long. And Ottawa decided this was a year to, to sort of take their swing at it. And whether they did that for hockey reasons or whether it was because they wanted that playoff revenue and whatever else, it's worked out. And it's, it's still, and it might continue to work out for uh, for another round or two. Let me throw this at you. 
if you're a Lightning fan, are you mad that you sold at the deadline now that you've seen what happened in the playoffs? Do you feel like if you had kept Boyle and Philpola and you know maybe you added a piece, you get in? This this is what I said at, at, yeah. at the time. I remember we talked about it. I wrote about it. Everybody was just falling over themselves applauding Steve Eiserman for the great deadline he had. Uh, and obviously, yeah, he had a cap situation and he was able to address it. But they missed the playoffs by one point. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. And, and they did it by, they, they sold at the deadline, including one trade where they sold to a, the team that beat them for the playoff spot by one point. And I feel like if that had happened anywhere else, any other GM, any other market, we'd right. be asking all these questions. But like because Steve Eiserman, uh has the track record that he has, I mean, even now, like even after the fact, people are still like, you know, boy, Steve, boy, he worked his magic at the trade deadline. He really <laughs> set things up well. And it's like, yeah, but how many years, you know, Steven Stamkos would have been ready to come back for the playoffs, potentially. You know, you, you, you don't know how long you're going to be able to keep this young core together. And you missed by one point after you you sold at the deadline, and and in some cases didn't you know really didn't get much back in in that selling other than that cap space. So I I don't know I I said at the time I didn't like how they handled it, and I don't think in hindsight it holds up well at all. Is there any GM you like? <laughs> I feel like I. No, no. Like like what about Jason Botterill going to Buffalo? Are are you one of those people that's like that's awesome, or or do you not care? That's I mean that's interesting. I, I think anyone who's you know been an assistant or whatever, we don't really have a great view of of what they're going to do. But that I mean to me, like we said, the 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 worst case scenario would have been bringing in some former Sabres star and and putting him in front and like and look everybody we you remember this guy you like him, I, you know I'm going to assume that they. They, I mean, they, it sounded like they interviewed pretty much everyone who's ever worked in in a front office, so they they certainly did their homework that way. I, I like the hire. I think it, it's uh, you know we'll see how he does, but uh, I bringing in somebody with a little bit of a new perspective instead of some retreat from years and years ago. I I like it. Here's here's how I feel about whenever a team hires an AGM to become their GM. I feel the same way about it as when. A sports team, hockey team, football team, whoever drafts some, drafts a kid from junior, drafts a kid from high school and basketball or college, whatever. Like I, I don't know, I, I don't know what Jason Botterill has ever done. Like he's never been the GM. Like for all I know, like maybe he's the guy in the room who's like, no, we got to trade Crosby. Like I don't know. He, like maybe he's the guy in the room that's like, we got we got to get this Connor Sheary guy. But maybe he's not. I have no idea. So whenever I see like an assistant GM get hired. And my Twitter timeline from all the hockey people I follow turns into this great hire. Oh, this is such a great move by Buffalo. Like, how do you know? Like, are you in the room with Jason Botterill? Like, Jason Botterill hasn't signed his name to any transaction during the time he's been in Pittsburgh. Like, he's been part of stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, I'm, 
I'm part of this podcast. Like I don't do anything. Like I, I'm. <laughs> you have no idea. You have no idea about how what little work I do. Like like I would say Sean one, Tim two, and then like I just kind of come in with my hat backwards and my hoodie on and just talk into a microphone and go home. But like. Like if someone hires me to be like a full time podcast guy somewhere else, Dave's great. Like, hey, you don't know. <laughs> you have no idea what little I'm doing here. So will Jason Botter will be good? Maybe. Will he be bad? Maybe. I- I'd like to just kind of see him do some stuff. It's like when a junior hockey player comes in, it's like, boy, he had 147 points in the Quebec League of Junior Hockey. And it's like, yeah, okay. Well, I let him play in NHL. Uh, Jimmy VC, he's one of the best players. Well, let me watch him play NHL hockey for a little while, and then I'll decide if he's good or not. Everyone seems to think Jason Botterill is this amazing thing. And I just, I, I don't know. I'd like to reserve my judgment for at least a year or two weeks. Yeah. See, see, let, me, let me see July 1st. And then I'll decide sure. if he's good or bad. But I don't know. But you know what? I do, you asked if I like any GMs. Jim Rutherford's one of the guys I like. So I mean, if you're going to learn from somebody, that seems like a good one. And and now they've got to they've got to let him actually do the job and not have the same situation they seem to have in the NFL side, where the owners are trying to trying to make roster decisions and that kind of thing. But how do you think Jim Rutherford trained him? Do you think like it was like? bunch of like old people stuff like he took him on a cruise and made him play shuffleboard and i think he probably like, just like... followed him around like i jim rutherford might not even have been aware <laughs> that that he was there he just you just stay two feet behind him and just yeah just watch what he does and pretty good pretty pretty much the same thing the leafs got going on with lamarillo at this point i think it's it's a it's yeah. a solid solid system speaking of uh, gms what, what are your thoughts on ben bishop finally going to the dallas stars at least one or two seasons too late but Sorry, I was picturing Kyle Dubas just like constantly like in the in the in the draft of Lou Amarillo sure. walking yeah. around Derek Canada Center. Like he's like he's like it's like it's like Hunt for Red October where like Lou Amarillo's doing crazy Ivans every thirty minutes and he's just ducking out of the way. Like sorry, uh, Kyle Dubas is wearing a ninja uniform in this uh, <laughs> in this vision, by the way. Just oh god, um, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that because it, it's a weird situation. It's like yeah, Ben Bishop's an upgrade over what they have, but. He's he hasn't been great since the since the Vezina year. Like he's okay. Like he's a he's an NHL goalie who should play fifty five sixty games. But what are they going to pay him? What are they going to do with the other two goalies? What's that going to mean for cap space in the summer? Yeah. Like you had to do something for sure. And if you felt like you know you couldn't get Mark Andre Fleury or you didn't want to wait around for that or you know Auntie Arant is not your guy or whatever you know good backup is available couldn't get scott darling i love scott darling in carolina i'm finally going to have yep. my, my 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 day in the sun when scott darling wins the visit next year and, and Corey crawford's out of the league but eh, it's it's they had to do something and ben bishop is as good as anything they were going to get so thumbs up thumbs i like up i like the me. trade but you're right the, the the trade was part one of three part two is the contract and you know you see some of the numbers floating around it they're you know, ben bishop's not a young guy and sometimes sometimes Bigger goalies don't necessarily age well, so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep the years down on that. And then, yeah, how do you how do you address the fact that at that point you'll have fifteen million dollars tied up in your goaltenders? And uh, I don't know if it's buyouts or if maybe they've got maybe they can work something with uh, with with the Golden Knights and get them to take somebody. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's sort of the grade is incomplete, but so far I I like it. I've been I've been saying Ben Bishop should should be in Dallas for a while now, so. Hmm. Yeah, it's fine. But one other thing I think we should do before we we do the mailbag, which has some some pretty weird stuff in it, is um, the the Crosby concussion. Yeah, 
I so I was I was away all weekend, so like I really wasn't following along. Like I knew he didn't play game four, and I knew he came back from game five, and I couldn't figure out why. But if he had a concussion, and it's his fourth or fifth one, how in the world is he okay to come back after missing one game? I don't get it. I don't get how that's even doctorally possible. Yeah. If that's even a word. That's not a word, is it? Doctorally, I don't, th- I don't think so. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know either, but I'm not a doctor and I, I don't know. There, there's this, like, I've got kind of two voices in my head on this one. The first voice says it's, it's Sidney Crosby. It's the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're not going to rush him back. They've got a hundred million dollars invested in this guy between salaries and marketing and everything else. They're, they're up three, one in the series. They're not going to rush him back. Uh, and put him at any risk, and he wouldn't be in the lineup unless he was absolutely 100% good to go. Really? Then, I don't know about and that. And then there's this other voice in my head uh, that goes, have you been paying attention to the NHL for the last 20 or 30 years? <laughs> right. Because that's not how this works. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm like everyone else. I'm kind of nervous watching Game 5, and then, of course, Game 5, a few minutes in, he goes head first right into the boards, and we're all going, okay, and he gets up slowly. And we're all going, okay, here comes the concussion spotter protocol, and he's going to leave the game, and he doesn't. And at that point, that, I mean, that was so strange. Like, the the story that came out the next day where Bill Daly was explaining why the the spotters didn't take Sidney Crosby out. Did, did you see that in, I want to say it was USA Today? Yeah, like, I, I don't blame Bill Daly. He's just reading off the rule. It's the rule that's stupid. It's the fact yeah. that it was collect- It was collectively bargained that way. Like, everyone involved who was like, all right, we got to get some something, something done here about concussions. What are we going to do? All right, how about whenever a guy gets hit in the head, we, uh, we take him off the ice and look at him. Genius, Bob. Love it. What else you got? How about, I don't know, if he slips and falls and hits his head on the ice, we get him checked. Bob, you're on fire. What else do you got, Bob? Uh, that's it. What about the boards? What if he gets his head into the boards? No, no, no. The boards, the boards give. Are you sure the boards give? What about the plexiglass? That's pretty, no, no, no. The only way you can get a concussion is if somebody hits you in the head directly with their fist or shoulder pads, or if you hit the ice. Everything else is fine. Okay. We'll sign it. Those three things. It has to be an ungloved fist, too. Like, that's the Mm -hmm. part. Because when this Mm -hmm. happened, I had a bunch of fans who were like, oh, this is typical NHL. It's just like the, it's just like the goalie interference reviews it's like suspensions they have these you know fuzzy gray area rules and nobody knows what they're going to do and it was the problem here was the exact opposite the rules are so specific that it 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 limits where they like the fact that you can get hit with a shoulder and you have to come out but if you get hit with an elbow or a stick or if you're you know if you're down on the ice and i skate by and knee you in the head and you're slow to get up that's okay. Like, what if what if what if a coach grabs a bench and throws it onto the ice and hits you in the head? No, no, no. That's you know, that's fine. You get no you concussion. get you get sucker punched, and you get up <laughs> holding your head, and the spotter's like, "Well, well, hold on, rewind. Was the was the glove on when he got punched, or was what it a like it was? Yeah, it was so so. I mean, I would imagine they're gonna address that and fix it, but. Yeah, I mean, if if Sidney Crosby doesn't get pulled out of the game there, because the other thing was, it was in the final minute of the period. Like, he would have missed 15 seconds. It wasn't, like, there's a part of me where I get it if it's overtime. Or I get it if it's, you know, there's 10 minutes in a period and it's your your goaltender. And you're like, you can't take our goalie out and make another guy come in cold. That's going to, that's going to, like, this was 15 seconds, one shift. 
And yeah, no, nothing. So, and on top of that, the NHL fined PK Subban for quote diving. Yeah, when Joel when Joel Edmondson basically was like, "I'm going to hit this guy as hard as I can," and he he hits him, and then he jumps on him, and he lands on his head and rips his helmet off, and PK goes down and stays down for a little while. And they and, and I never really understood this about the embellishment diving fines because Nick Benino, yeah, I don't think he got a warning. I don't think he got anything. There was a play last night in the Caps game, the third period, where, ah, I meant to write this down. Somebody on either the Caps or the Penguins, it was when the puck was down on the right side of the ice and somebody was curling up the boards like closest closest to you on, on your TV, and they just completely dove, completely trying to buy a penalty, and the ref didn't call anything, but it was such an obvious dive. I wonder if the way the diving infractions work is... If you get called for it, like that's it. Like they're going to give you a fine. Like I read a thing where it was like seven out of ten people yeah, on this panel have to decide. But but I mean, how do seventy percent of people see PK Subban get a two hundred and twenty pound man on his head? Which you know, if that's what you're into, I'm not judging that. But in the context <laughs> in the context of a hockey game, that's an illegal hit where you're going to go down every single time. That's not a dive. That's that's yeah. just a reaction to a heavy man landing on your head. I don't get it. The, the, the one thing, as I understand it, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe that the way the diving finds, like the, the the whole system works, is that the first one that you get nailed for is a warning, and that isn't made public. So when people are like, "Well, how come Nick Benino did?" Like Nick Benino may have Nick Benino may have been told, "Okay, you just you just got strike one," but we wouldn't hear that publicly until he gets strike two, at which point he'll be fined, and they'll they'll tell us about about both of them. But and why did it take eight days? I don't understand yeah, that, that too. That happened too, in game. Right? Yeah. Happened in game four. This yeah. league is there, there's there's nothing really going on. There's just there, there's not thirty teams playing at the same. And also for the Benino thing, I I, I like okay. I, I watched the PK Subban play. Maybe he stays down a little bit after that, but like his falling to the ice is not a dive or an embellishment. With Nick Benino, like I understand the stick doesn't hit him in the face. You can make an argument that he saw the stick whoosh past his face and he threw his head back, and that was just a reaction to almost getting hit. Like I can buy that, but, but I, I just he, don't but then get. Then he grabs his mouth. Like yeah, that's, that's the true. part to me. Like I get that. Like you, you wave a hockey stick near my face, I'm probably gonna bail pretty quick too. But I'm, I'm not gonna then grab my grab my face. And so I, I mean, I, I did. I like. I, I hate that. I know you. You are. You have made your peace with diving and embellishment. Love it. Love it, do it. And I'm I'm the other side of it. I I get why it happens. I totally get it. But I yeah I don't know. It 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 rubs me the wrong way. But yeah I I want I want to know with PK Subban. I want to know like who was the tenth guy who held up the vote by like not replying to their email, where they're like <laughs> you know like whoever it is, like Bill Daly is like Some, he's on vacation. Yeah, he's like email like look again. Like Fred, I know you're busy, but it's like we're six to three on the vote right now. I'd really like it if you could take a look at the YouTube. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll get on it. I'm totally gonna." And Daly's like, "Do I email him again? I don't know. Like at what point?" And then finally, the guy's like, "Yeah, that was that was a dive." And there you go, big two thousand yeah. dollars. I hope I hope PK's okay. Two thousand. That's that's a lot. Yeah, PK. That's, PK. That's I don't know. I don't know if you listen, but uh, we could probably pull some money here between the three of us involved with this podcast and just pay that fine for you i mean we can do a little gofundme maybe or something oh and speaking of people listening to the podcast should we should we should we mention the la kings oh yeah we might as well our new friends giving us crap yeah so yeah so um, this is so, after i was nice to them i know 
so 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 Sean so I love diving. Sean hates it. But me and Sean both hate the fact that you have to wait nine minutes every time a contract is signed to find out what the terms are because teams never release them. So the Kings, under new leadership, I guess, with Rob Blake, they signed uh, Tanner Pearson to a contract and they put the terms of the of the of the deal not only in a story or a press release, they put it in a GIF. Yeah, and it's not a GIF. It's not a GIF. It's a GIF. Don't, Don't pronounce it the wrong way. And Sean was like, "This is great. What a, what a great future we have here." And what did the Kings? What did the Kings respond their, their to you with? Their exact response was, "Can't wait to hear what you and Lozo decide to end up hating about it on this week's podcast." Hmm. And that's from okay. the official LA Kings Twitter. Which basically, <laughs> I mean, if 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 you know how Twitter works, that means it's directly from the organization. Right. Every member right. of the Kings organization is responsible for saying that to us. So I don't know. That's it. That's I. I'm not going to be nice to the LA Kings anymore, even though they. Even though they did the uh, contract terms give, and by the way, the whole contract terms terms not disclosed, like that is officially dying. If your team still does that, they hate you, uh, and tell them to Spartan up because even the Maple Leafs are putting the details out there now. So, like, if Lou Lamorello will will give you information, there's no excuse for anyone but, else. You know, and, but since they really wanted us to uh, make fun of it, hold on, let me, let me let me call it up. Los Angeles Kings. Let me just get this tweet in front of me. Because they want us to make fun of it, right? So is, is there anything in the tweet that, that you feel like we should, we should I don't know. make fun of it? I mean, they put like a big heart emoji too. So I don't know if that was if that's supposed to like mitigate the uh, <laughs> the derision, but it doesn't. It, it doesn't. So, okay. So, so, so I'm looking at it right here. And so they kind of have like that like 70s theme font happening because that 70s line and all that. Um, you know, maybe you want to kind of explain that a little bit because – you know, people may not know that he's number. People are looking at it like, why is this like a 1970s thing? I don't yeah, know. And, and also, like why does why does Tanner Pearson not have a nose? Why does yeah, he Tanner just, Pearson has like a a line? A line. He seems to have one big giant tooth. His mouth doesn't yeah. really have teeth. There's no lines there separate. There's his no eyebrows in his ear, so I don't know how he how he's supposed to hear. This is a terrible gift. LA this Kings. is awful. You're awful. Three point seven five M A A V. Like, I mean, the A A V font. It's hard to make out what A A V is there. So, you, yeah. you, if you don't really know the hockey terminology, you probably can't figure that out. Um, his eyebrows. Is something's wrong with his eyebrows? There's no way his eyebrows look like that in real no. life. His eyes look good though. He's got really very pretty eyes. Uh, is, is this considered a bitmoji? I don't know. Tim, you know this stuff. Is, is that is that is that a bit moji at all? He's 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 nodding. I feel like that, that's that, that's Tim's a, that's young a, enough to understand. Tim's hip. Yeah. Tim's cool. Tim knows. So there stuff. you go. L.A. Kings. Yeah. Are you happy hope, now? Hope you're happy. You asked for that. There you go. Yeah. God. All right. We got a few minutes uh, left for questions. Right. Can, can we just before we do questions? I there, there's one other thing that I feel like we need to touch on. Do it. Uh, Con Smythe. It, it would be unusual to hand it out after only two rounds, but can we both agree, Chris Neal, for the consummate? I mean, I mean, I'm, if I'm correct, the Senators are undefeated when he plays, right? Undefeated, and yeah. it, I mean, I've all I know is what I've watched on TV and, and read in the newspapers and everything. Chris Neal, the single greatest playoff performance. If if you missed it, we should just you know to explain for for anyone who didn't see it. In Game mm-hmm. Five, he comes into the lineup. Uh, after Tanner Glass had, I, I guess, done some things for the Rangers, I don't yeah, know. roughed you gotta, up Kyle Tur- yeah, roughed you, up Kyle Turris a little bit. Yeah. You got to counter Tanner Glass, so they put Chris Neal in the lineup. He plays three <laughs> shifts. 
He in the second period, uh, Tanner Glass takes a penalty. This is when the, the this is a must win game for the Senators. They're trailing two to one. Uh, they get a penalty. Chris Neal chooses that moment to jump Tanner Glass and pummel him. Wipes out the power play. Uh, was actually pretty lucky that he didn't get more. Like he could have got four or five easily. But it's okay because it 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 changed the momentum of the game. Yeah, not right away. Because we still had five minutes of the game where nothing changed at all. But then the Senators scored two goals, which was then retroactively credited to Chris Neal. Because apparently Chris Neal is like the five-point palm exploding heart of momentum. Like, it takes a while for it to take effect. Wait, what is that reference? What is that, that's Legend the, of Zelda? Uh, kid, no, that's uh, Kill Bill. Remember where uh, that uh, the little secret punch where you... Oh, and then, the, and then wow. you've got like ten steps, right? Like that's when Chris Good. Neal jumps yeah. one of your guys. You've got ten steps before the momentum is going to turn around. The Senators score two goals. They're up three to two. Uh, then the Rangers score two goals and go up four to three. But we for, don't talk about that. <laughs> we got We have to ignore that part. The Senators win in overtime. And by the way, Chris Neal doesn't play again in the entire game. He sits out the entire rest of the second and third period and overtime. Uh, and what and was goes, every po- and what was every post game quote from the Senators that day? Yeah, it's, he's like the, that was the greatest. That was the turning point. He was our most important player. Oh my god! I, just... I have never. I mean, I've I've lived a long life. I have been a child. <laughs> I have at toy stores on Christmas Eve. I have never wanted anything in my life more than some people in Ottawa want this Chris Neal narrative to stick. They. They want Chris Neal to be the turning point in this series so badly. And he he played in game six, and I think he played four shifts this time, including like the last seven seconds of the game to get him over that that three-shift hump. Uh, And yeah, and so he's going to dress for the first two or three games against Pittsburgh. And then like in game three, he's going to take a terrible penalty that will cost the Senators a goal and, and then... That will be it. We'll never see him again. I cannot get over how many stories there were between four, five, and six, or I guess five and six, that were Tanner Glass and Chris Neal related. Like I'm, I'm like trying to catch up on the series because I was in Seattle all weekend. I'm like, what did I miss? Like uh, Chris Neal won that game. Yeah. That's all I missed was Chris <laughs> Neal, the, the 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 turner of tides because he. Uh, God, yeah. I hate this. I hate this. Meanwhile, so like much. you know, like Henrik Lundqvist has a bad game, like eight. One of his teammates has to come out in the middle of the game and tell him to yeah. Come. And you know, and it was like that was a paragraph at the end of two thousand words <laughs> on how Chris Neal has turned the series around with his three shifts <sighs> of doom. All right, yeah, I just needed to, uh, I need to get that in there. That's not, that sounded like it felt good. That feel good. It did. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get a couple in here before we get thrown out of the room, or I get thrown out of the room. Uh, Dan Straightedge, who we, who we mocked, I believe, on the last podcast with his questions, yeah. is back again, and I like this one. What's worse weather-wise, being really hot or really cold? Hmm. It's tough for me in Ottawa because I only, like, I spend 90% of my time being cold. I, the cold is the worst. Cold is the worst. Yeah? Yeah. No, I, I mean... I like hot when I'm outside. I hate hot, like when I want to go to bed. Like I would rather sleep in a 25 degree room than a 75 degree room, but I'd rather go outside when it's 90 as opposed to 30. Yeah, no, that's, that's the correct answer. It's, it's hot outside, cold inside. 
Boom. Yeah, there's nothing worse than like waking up at like three in the morning because your pillow is soaked with your yeah, own sweat. If you don't, if you don't have like air conditioning, then your your uh, life is misery. Uh, what else do we got here? Ba-ba-da-ba-da. No, I don't like. Oh, that here's question. A, this. This one just just popped up. So let me huh. let me throw it out there because I actually have an answer. Throw it out for there. It. This is a uh, random <laughs> fella two. Apparently, random fella one was already taken. Are you random if you actually pick a number for yourself? That means you're know. kind of a specific. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it seems like that kind of takes. I don't know. Uh, he, but he says, "Be positive for once. Name one thing you love about the NHL." Uh, and I just want to say, the schedule for the conference final, perfect. Oh, Absolute what is it? Is it every day, every other day? Every other day, there are no gaps. There are no back to backs. There's one afternoon game on the weekend, but that's fine. It's just one conference takes the odd number days, one conference takes the even number days, and also it starts right away. They they, they didn't like do that thing where there's a four day gap, and you, we just all sit around and and all the momentum drains out of everything. They they absolutely nailed it. I know that's mainly because we've got no NBA t- NBA cities in the final four, so you can the, the arenas are all available. But oh yeah, perfect. They absolutely knocked it out of the park. This is exactly what a conference final schedule should look like. Kudos to the NHL. So now I got to think of something. Oh Christ! Um, what do I like about the NHL? You love diving. Yeah, and you love offside reviews. Love them. They're so much fun. It gives you time to like go grab some some beer out of the fridge. Okay, here's what I love. I think a thing that I always really enjoy is when I think I've talked about this before is when a team it's five on five is just ragdolling a team for like a minute and a half inside their own zone they're just cycling the puck and then suddenly like the five guys on the ice are so tired defending they sort of collapse into a box and they just they just absorb shot after shot after shot I really I just get a kick out of that I love watching like the five guys like desperately trying to get the puck out so they can clear and all that sort of stuff I, I, I really enjoy that. And I also really enjoy it when there's like the one dude who just has to take the unscreened shot that the goalie just catches and gets a whistle because because like he's just yep. bored of cycling the puck. I, I really enjoy that whole entire phenomenon. Or, or the other one is, is when they said they, they, that's happening and they set everything up and then the one guy comes in and takes the shot that misses the net and then rings around the board. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, like oh, dude. Like you're in this perfect spot where you could like take all the time in the world to set up the little tic tac toe goal into the slot, and like some dude is just whipping the shot from the far boards. And, Which always yeah. like, that always makes me because if you've ever played hockey, like every team has that one guy who is convinced that he's Al McKinnis and he can just you know, go top score from anywhere, go bar down, and you're just like, no, dude, you miss by eight feet every time. Stop doing that. No, no, I this you what? And then oh, okay, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, that is a good one. I hope they I hope they change the rule and they uh, make it so you can't call a timeout after an icing when that happens. Because I think we should have hmm. more exhausted players. I, and I also think if, if you ice the puck with your net empty, you can't put your goalie back in. If, if it's if it's the guys on the ice have to stay there after an icing, that goalie's not on the ice when the puck was iced. He has to stay on the bench. But all right, how about how about a compromise? He's allowed to come on the ice, but he has to like start at center ice and charge in <laughs> like an enraged water buffalo and just and just. Braden Holpe had a couple of those plays last night too. What a he team! Did, I, yeah. I, God. All right, two more. Let's do two more, and then right. and then we'll we'll get the heck out of here. This one's specifically for you. I I can't even answer it because it's for you. What is down goes Brown's next big bold prediction now that the Caps lost after coming back from three one? Did you? Wait, I, I thought you predicted. I thought you predicted the Caps were going to win the series after they were down three. I did. I was so close. Like I I felt like I I because I, I had a bunch of people pointed like 
tweet me and they're like, hey, you know, your prediction is almost because I predicted, I said the Capitals were going to win in seven games and they were going to come back from down 3-1 to do it. And that was my prediction at the start of the series. And I, like, as it went, like, I felt like a, like a pitcher taking a no hitter into the ninth inning. Like, <laughs> I'm like, don't, don't even talk about it. Don't uh, like, I know just everybody stick and it, yeah. And it didn't happen. It, I, I missed out. So it was, I don't know. It would have been, it would have been too much. Like we already did. We, we spoiled the draft lottery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I, I feel like that probably would have been a little much as a, what's my next bowl prediction? Uh, yeah. Like give me something, give me something specific for the conference finals. Well, you know what? I haven't, I haven't done my preview predictions for the conference finals, so you're going to have to wait. But by the time people wow. hear this, it will probably be on vice sports. Go check out the conference final preview. And now, now I feel like I'm under pressure to come up with something. Yeah, really I mean, good and specific. I don't know. Don't do anything obvious. Like Chris Neal has six goals in seven games to get the Senators to the, the Stanley you Cup. Think final. they can limit like, him to that few? Maybe. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because he's he's watched JG Pajot dominate for so long that he's probably picked up a few pointers as to how to score goals. So, you know, if they can hold him to six, maybe the Penguins have a chance. But maybe. I don't know. We'll see. All right, last one. Grant Croxford, who's goes by by Chester Warrior on Twitter. I don't know what that means. Uh, he he wants to know what the future holds for four teams, but we already covered two of them. What, what do you think next season will hold for the Rangers and the Blues? Uh, the Rangers. I feel like the <laughs> Rangers are kind of headed towards the same the same sort of place. I like, you know, but well, I guess we, we got to see what the, what the Capitals do. The Capitals blow it all up. Then that changes things. I don't think they're there with, with Pittsburgh. I see Columbus taking a step back. I see somebody like Carolina taking a step forward. Now that they've addressed the goaltending, I could see the Rangers right back as that Metro wildcard. Uh, blues. Oh boy. I don't know. That's, uh, I yeah, guess, I guess I they're on the way up. I mean, they've they've cleared some room. They're they're gonna, but that's a weird team. I never know what Doug Armstrong is thinking or, or what direction he's leaning in. And, that's, and what, uh, what, what like which Jake Allen are you gonna get too for yeah. three two games? I don't know. Yeah, I, Col- I don't, Colton Pareko is gonna be get a bigger role, so that's good. I don't know. The rain the rain the Rangers for me are weird because. I mean, if you have your starting goaltender and Henrik Lundqvist do a pull pull a nine eleven save percentage for a full season, and you still get one hundred and two points, like that's 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 kind of lucky. I don't like if Henrik Lundqvist is a nine eleven goaltender again. I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team. I don't know if they're going to find all those goals again like they found this year. Rick Nash is in the last year of his contract. Maybe they move him in the summer to to free up some cap space because they got to sign Zibanejad. They got to do some stuff too. The Rangers will probably be about the same. I would guess the Blues. I don't know, man. Because like, think about it. Before the trade deadline and before they fired Hitchcock, like, I don't think we were really too high on the St. Louis Blues. I don't know if they're going to be as good as they were at the end of the season again to, this year. To me, I don't know where they're going to finish. But the Blues are like, they're going to be one of those classic. T- they'll be one of the sixteen teams that makes the playoffs, and then who knows? Yeah, maybe they'll get we'll swept see. in the first round. Maybe they'll go to the Stanley Cup. How, how's that? How's that for an authoritative answer from us? Eh. Anything can happen. You don't get this sort of expert analysis <laughs> no, anywhere else. There's a reason why this podcast is free. Um, so that's it. I think that's all the time we have. Uh, I'm going to thank everybody. Tim Barnes. I don't thank Tim enough after the podcasts. Tim's over here doing all the doing all the legwork while I just come in and, and, and laze about. 
Um, thanks for the reader questions. Thanks for uh, listening to the podcast. You know, hit us up on iTunes. Uh, tweet at the Vice Sports Twitter handle and tell us how awesome. Tell them how awesome we are. Uh, read our stuff at the Vice and the Comeback and the Sportsnet and the Hockey News. You do Hockey News stuff, right? Or no? I do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's the show. I believe we'll be back at our usual time next week, right? We're not, we have no plans or no no, no lives in the usual, next couple of weeks, right? Usual time. So we'll uh, we'll be what three games in to the conference final at that point. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, so we'll do a show on Thursday, and you know we'll we'll talk about how how bad Chris Neal is, and then he'll score two goals that night, and we'll have the stupidest podcast ever that Friday afternoon. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for everything, and uh, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye, bye, everyone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.